God is good. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you today. Welcome home to those that are at home. Welcome home to Connecting Point. Welcome home to all of you. And Happy New Year 2021. First Sunday in 2021. We're excited for this year. I know that God wants to do something special this year. He wants to use you this year. So welcome home. We're glad that you're with us today. Hey, we're also excited about a new series that we're going to kick off today. We're actually doing three mini-series within a series. We talk a lot about, about how Jesus gathered people together and he trained them up and he sent them out. And so from that, we, we're going to be talking about gather, grow, go. Say that with me. Gather, grow, go. And for the next three weeks, we're going to focus on this word gather. And in 2020, this last year, we can probably appreciate what it means to gather because some of us have gone a long time without being together as a church family. Some of you are still home because of sickness or other reasons. And so you've had to gather digitally instead of physically. And probably a good portion of us at some point or another has been in quarantine, or we obviously know people that are in quarantine. And so we can appreciate this word gather. And today we're going to be talking about specifically that Jesus and, and Scripture tells us that we're called to gather together to worship, to essentially keep hope alive, to, to encourage each other. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. Many of us probably know what the word gather means, but if not, it means to bring together, to come together, to assemble, to collect. And this morning, when we think of gathering, we may not necessarily think of, of church you know, we might think of gathering a ball team together or, you know, gathering together in a staff meeting to make a decision or gathering together for, at some sporting event or gathering together to vote or gathering together in some way. But I want to tell you this morning that there's a difference between just gathering and gathering together in Jesus' name. There's a difference between gathering and gathering together in Jesus' name. You don't have to go to church. You can be an atheist and understand the concept of gathering. You know, we just had a family gathering. Some of you have had friend gathering or family gathering. You've ga gathered together with one or two, or you've gathered together in prayer with just you and God. We understand gathering, but there's something that happens when we gather together in Jesus' name, when all hearts are clear and we're praying the same direction, we're worshiping the same way. We have something in our church every three months that we do called the gathering. Some of you have been to that. And man, we're all in here and we understand what our purpose is or we're in Columbus or we're at home watching and we understand that we're here to worship. Powerful things happen when we gather together, when we come together, when we assemble together. You know, and there are certain things that you just can't duplicate by yourself. It's when we're corporately together that some amazing things happen. Some amazing things can happen when we gather together, just us and the Lord as well. But there's something that happens when we gather together as a body of believers. We don't have to be in this space. Connecting point doesn't have to be in their space. But when believers come together, amazing things can happen. So there's three things we need to know today as we think about this, this word gather First thing is this, there can be incredible power in gathering believers together. Let's read that. There can be incredible power when believers gather together. Uh, several years ago, some of you obviously have heard this story before, but some of you haven't. I was actually in high school and there was a, a man in our church, his name was Steve, and he had pancreatic cancer. I'm assuming he had stage four because it was really bad. And I remember 
Actually, Steve's son was my best friend in high school, and I remember Brian, my friend, telling me about Steve's condition, and, and we were just, you know, on paper just thinking, man, you know, this is, doesn't look good. And our church had gathered together in prayer, and then our district had this event called Layman's Retreat, and our, people from our church gathered together there as well as other churches that gathered together there, and they had worship, and they had you know, some type of a message. And then they had this healing time, this prayer time. And the church began to gather and they began to pray. In fact, we had a couple people from our church. Some of you know Bob Evans, who just recently passed away. Um, He's actually having his um, funeral here at the church on Monday. Um, And so we're in prayer for their family. But Bob was there. Bob actually had his hand on Steve's back. And then another lady in our church named Cheryl, she had her hand on his back, and then everybody gathered around them, and they were not gathering together in a ball team's name. You know, they weren't gathering together in their friend's name. They weren't gathering together to to see a sign and wonder. They were praying for one, but, but, but they weren't just gathering there for a show. They were gathering together in Jesus' name to see healing take place. And this is a true story. I can't honestly say that I've ever experienced something just like Bob and Cheryl testified to, but while they were praying healing for this pancreatic cancer over Steve, both of them, independent of the other person, testified that they felt this warm surge come through their arms and into Steve's body. And Steve testified afterwards that he didn't feel that warm surge. Steve goes to the doctor I don't know, when he got back from Layman's Retreat and they said, we can't find the cancer. God had healed him. There's incredible power that can take place when, when believers gather together. Can I tell you this morning, it, it doesn't matter whether you're at home. You know, I know we have some that are at home and it may be a while for you to be able to come back because you have physical issues or whether you're here in person or you're in Columbus, however it is today. When we come together expecting, not just expecting to hear some songs and listen to me ramble up here or whoever's talking to listen to them ramble and go home. When we come expecting God to speak to our hearts, when we come expecting to hear a word from God, when we come expecting, there's power when believers get together and do that. Listen to what Jesus said. For where two or three gather together... It doesn't say a huge group of people. Just two or three people gathered together as what, church? As my followers, right? In Jesus' name. We're not gathering together to watch, you know, a college student from our church go play a sport or going to watch a a middle school kid go do something. Those are great. We should do that. But it's not just coming together for that. When we gather together in the name of Jesus as followers, I am there among them. Which means when we gather together as believers in Jesus' name, it can break strongholds. We've seen marriages restored. We've seen lives changed. You know, the Bible tells us that our struggle as people, our struggle is not against people. It's against flesh and blood. In fact, Ephesians 6, 12, if you don't if you've never read that scripture, we don't have it on the screen. I encourage you to read that. Ephesians six twelve. It says our struggle is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood. 
It's against the rulers. It's against the principalities of this dark world. And the Bible says that, and Paul writes this in his second letter to Corinth, that the weapons that we face or that we have are not the same as the world. They have divine power to what, church? They have the power to destroy strongholds. Remember that song we just sang, or we're going to sing later, to break every chain? When we gather together in Jesus' name, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world, and they have divine power to break strongholds. It's been several years ago. There's a, some of you are familiar with a guy named Max Lucado, and he's a pastor, I believe, in Texas, and he's written a bunch of awesome books. And one of the books he writes to this lady, I think she was in the late 1800s, and she'd finally you know, gotten electricity and power, and so she was, um, but she didn't use it. I remember somebody saying, well, why don't, in the book, it says, why don't you use the power? And she says, well, I know it's available. I'm just not using it. I was thinking about that sometimes as people and as a church, we do that. We have God's power available to us when we gather together. But for whatever reason, we're not expecting God to do anything. We have the power. Listen, you need to know this today. We have the power through the Holy Spirit to demolish strongholds. That's a big deal. To see, in Jesus' name, to see some of these prodigals that are on our prodigal boards to to come home. There's incredible power. I mean, some of us know this, but we need to be reminded of that today. At the beginning of 2021, there is incredible power that happens, church. When we gather together, there's also incredible connection that can happen when believers gather together. So Noah goes, my, my kids go to youth group on Wednesday nights and he doesn't have a vehicle yet and might be delayed now that I just had a wreck. And so he called me the other night at like 9.30, 9.45. He's like, dad, come get me. I'm at Brahms. I'm like, all right. I sit out in the parking lot. Brahms has great big glass windows that you can see in. I thought two things. One, am I going to go get some ice cream? That was the first thing. (laughs) And then two, I couldn't hear what any of the students were saying or the adults that were interacting with the students, but I could just see what was happening. Connection. They just had this worship service. They're going to Brahms. Some of them don't have any money. They're just going. And they're building relationship with each other. Can I just tell you, we were made for relationship with each other. Some of us are looking in the wrong places for connection, and we're frustrated. There is incredible connection when the body of believers gather together in Jesus' name. Watching some of our college students over at the homestead interact with each other, sitting in in different small groups over the years and watching people gather together. 
Some of you have been through some stuff. And someone in this church, or maybe, maybe you're watching online and you go to a different church, but someone, another believer, walked alongside you and got you through something. And the reason you go to church is not because of the person talking. It's not because of the worship. It's because someone has walked beside you through a dark time. And hopefully you have walked beside someone during a dark, a dark time. We were made to worship, to gather for worship, but we were also made to connect with, not only with God, most importantly, but also with each other. Amen? I'm being honest with you. Now, I have one, one person in my family is introverted. Some of you are introverted. And for a while during quarantine, you probably were all right. But I'll just be honest with you. Being an extroverted person, the worst thing you can do with, for me is to just take people away. And I just have to sit there and stare at the wall. We were made for each other. We were made to walk with God and we were made to walk next to someone. This, was, this has been going on since the beginning of the church. Jesus modeled this to the, to the disciples when, when he was walking with them. He would gather them together. And he would teach them and they would grow and then he would tell them to go and make a difference. And so after he ascended to heaven and after the Holy Spirit came, they began to gather and that, that big gathering they had, the Holy Spirit came and they were filled with His Spirit. They were filled with His presence and people began to get saved. Why? Because there was power in what they were doing through the Holy Spirit. There was connection that was taking place among believers. And there was something that was happening in that church that some of us would think about now and we think, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Listen to this. All the believers were one in what church? They were on the same page. I think one of the beauties of heaven is that you get them and they get you. You know what I mean? All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was what? Does anybody in your house not like to share? Several years ago, some of you were here, some of you weren't, but um, Joplin Tornado hit. Our church went over that summer, I think, 15 different times that summer. And so did a lot of churches. There was people who went to church. There was people who, who didn't go to church. There was people giving people their pickups that didn't own them. There were people giving them their forklifts. There were people that were, were just coming together. And that's what the kingdom of God was supposed to look like. There were communities, there were people driving down from Indiana and Ohio and all over gathering together. There was one guy who felt like he was supposed to feed all the workers. So I don't even know where he was from. So every day that we were there, it was, I can't even remember what business location it was out in their great big parking lot. The guy's just cooking up food. Some of our teams that I think I took some students over, I was a youth pastor at that time, and we just helped him cook food. Others of us went out and we did you know, mission work and all kinds of things, but there was this spirit of unity. There was no division. There was no arguing over who gets the, to do the greatest thing or the least thing. They were gathered together and, and there was this spirit of unity of, of helping someone. Everybody knew what, what we were there for. 
And somehow, and I put myself in that boat, right? Somehow over time, we can sometimes forget what the body is capable of and what, what we're designed to do. I mean, we, the Bible doesn't promise that there's going to be unity in the world. I mean, people without, you know, if someone's not saved and they don't, well, this is what churches do sometimes too. We expect people who don't have Jesus in their heart to act like they have Jesus in their heart. If they're not saved, they're not going to act like they're saved, right? But in the same way, when the church comes together in Jesus' name and gives out 244 boxes of food, where the church comes together and, and does a flash mob for a single mom, when the church comes together and prays for a family or prays for a marriage or prays for someone who's sick, There's a connection there that happens with God, right? I mean, we have it on our walls, connecting ordinary people with an extraordinary God, but there's also a connection with each other. Pastor Kyle, what are you getting at today? I guess what I'm getting at is there's a lot of instability in our world, but the church should be a place where there isn't instability, where we can depend, we can be together, we can pray for each other. When we gather together as believers in Jesus' name, it can build lasting relationships. There's incredible power when we gather together. There's incredible connection when we gather together. And there's incredible purpose for believers gathering together. Listen, when we were going to Joplin, when some of you went with us, some of you have served and done different things in our community locally, whether it was through our church or another organization, or maybe your family did it. So our church serves down at Lord's Diner. Once a month, maybe some of you have signed up for that, and if you haven't, you can do that. Maybe you've gone as a family and served at Lord's Diner. Maybe you've done it you know, on your own. And when you do it, you understand the purpose. And when we gather together on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, or whenever two or three of us are gathered together, wherever that's at, we gather together to worship the Lord. To glorify Him. I'm going to move over here for the camera guy here. Whoever I can't play the keys. But when we gather together, we're not just gathering together to sound well. We're, 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 we're gathering together and we're playing the keys to glorify who? When you greet at the door... You're gathering to worship the Lord. When you give your tithe, you're gathering, to, you're, you're, you're worshiping the Lord. When you handle conflict, when you handle a situation, when you handle a, a difficult something in your life, we're called to, to worship the Lord during that. We're called to worship. Kids that are in here, when you come, you're, you're, you're gathering to worship the Lord. Romans, Paul writes this letter. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, here's how you, give, how, here's how you worship, to give your bodies to God because, all of, because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he, that, we will find, that he will find acceptable. Let's finish it. 
This is truly the way, the way to worship him. In other words, when we gather together as believers in Jesus' name, the primary purpose is worshiping and glorifying God. When you were a kid, did it bother you when your parents asked you to wash your hands before dinner, lunch? Come on, what's the big deal? Why do we have to wash our hands? And now as an adult, obviously we understand why it's important. When we're in his word all week, when we've been spending that one-on-one time, you know, that gathering with God during the week, seeking his face, reading his word, listening to worship music that would encourage us and inspire us. When we do those things, it prepares us for when we gather together as believers. We come together, and whether you're at home or here, and you're expecting God to say something to you. We usually find what we're looking for. we gather together and we expect God to come and to show up. When you're at school, student, and, and you're going to school and you're expecting God to give you an opportunity to gather with some other student and be salt and light to them. When you're expecting someone who lives next door to you to come to know Christ and you begin to, to pray and you begin to just see, pray into them and, and to live life with them. When you own a business and you're expecting whoever you're working with that you're going to have an opportunity to be salt and light. Do you know what I'm saying? Instead of just, well, I'm just guess today. Worship is not just on Sunday morning for an hour, and most of us know that. So how, how do we truly worship God every day, not just Sunday? Well, that same scripture that I read to you in Romans 12 there's another version of that called the message. I love this. Some of you are familiar with it. Take your every, let's finish it. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. Most of us aren't going to be the president. We can give God what we have. Well, what do we have? Our sleeping, our eating, our going to work and walking around. And place it before God as an offering. Which reminds me of another passage of Scripture that some of us might be familiar with, but, but maybe not. Is that we're called to be temples of God. Remember, worship begins with seeing ourselves as the temple of God. In the Old Testament, if you wanted to connect with God, you had to either go to a temple or you had to, you had to have a priest, you know, that, that would connect you with God. And you had to bring your, your best animal and, and have it killed as a sacrifice for your sins. And the temple was a place that you went to. But Jesus came and he died and he raised to life so that that temple wasn't a place, it was a person. So you are now the temple when you go to school, when you go to work, when you're in the middle of an argument, when no one else is seeing reasoning, 
when you go vote, when you're dealing with uncertainty. And evidently, I'm, I'm assuming that Corinth had a little bit of an issue with this. And Paul says, don't you know? Don't you remember? You guys remember Lion King? Simba forgets? Yeah, we got a kid that remembers. What's Simba's dad's name? I can't remember. Mufasa. And Mufasa says, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Paul's saying, don't you know? Don't you remember who you are? You are God's what, church? God's temple. You bring the party with you. You've heard people say, I bring the party with me. You bring the spirit with you. You bring the joy with you. You bring the love with you. You bring the gentleness with you. You bring the faithfulness with you. You bring the self-control with you. I messed the left, left out some fruits of the spirit. Love, joy. You bring the joy with you. Peace. You, you bring the peace with you. You're the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of God. I realize that some of us are half empty people. But I believe, I really do believe this, the more that you read this, the more that you read things like be transformed by the renewing of your minds, think on things that are lovely, excellent, praiseworthy. I believe as we become more and more the temple of God, we become a little bit more optimistic than we used to be. Amen? And you bring the Spirit with you. Well, COVID's terrible. Everybody's sick. Everything's going on. There's nothing good going on. Did you hear what happened? There's a time not to be a dreamer and to be a realist. I understand that. Somebody breaks in your house and they're in your house. You're not to say, well, you know, at least he hasn't found me yet. I mean, I understand you have to get real and you have to do something about it. But there's a lot of times where you are the Holy Spirit in a situation. Bring the light. And sometimes bringing the light is just keeping your mouth shut. I just had to say it. Well, the Holy Spirit inside of you didn't want you to. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. You're not listening to him. Don't you know that you yourselves... Believer, if you're not a believer today, you don't have a relationship with him, I would be lying to you if I said you have the temple of the Holy Spirit inside of you if you're not saved. That's not what scripture says. The Bible says if anyone confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart, they can be saved. So everybody has the opportunity to have the Holy Spirit inside of them. But if you're a believer today and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have to activate that. How do you activate that? By surrendering to God. Pride will kill that. We've all done that, okay? The world just needs us to be the sanctuary, to be the temple. You're out on the football field. Are you the temple of the Holy Spirit, or do you chuck God out the door because you're a competitive person and so blip, blam, bling? Are you the temple of the Holy Spirit? I was thinking, like, what could we do this year 
And I realize that it's kind of a, a little ambiguous the way I put it. It's not real specific, but what if this year you worship God with every part of your life? Your finances, your physical health, I need to do that. Your words, where you go, your relationship, your relationships with people. And then what if this year, in light of last year, and understanding why it's so important to gather, whether it's digitally or physically here, to understand that you were made for each other. I'll just be honest with you. This is a true story. This has been a while back, but I remember one time we were part of a small group, and that night I just didn't want to go. Don't tell anybody. I didn't want to. It wasn't because I don't like people. I was just tired. And quite honest, my wife didn't want to go. And in that moment, I remember thinking, what if the reason I'm supposed to go tonight has nothing to do with me? What if the reason I'm supposed to go tonight is because somebody else needs to be encouraged, and that's the reason I'm supposed to go? We have a bunch of narcissism in our culture today where everything revolves around us. Our pain is about us. Our situation is about us and what happened to us or whether things are working out for us. The kingdom of God was about others. What if God's calling for you has absolutely nothing to do with you? That small group that Pastor Adam tries to get everybody to join. Maybe the reason you're supposed to join is not because you're going to get something out of that week. It's because somebody else needs something out of it. They need to hear you share your story. The body of Christ functions best when we worship God and we encourage each other. When we worship God and we encourage each other. So, Pastor, you're saying I, I can't be a believer if I don't go to church. Or I don't, you know, yo, you can be a believer. That, but God's design was up for us to gather together. It's just the truth. And I'm so grateful for online. We have so many people that physically or, or in quarantine or whatever, they can't be here. And they're able to gather with us. I'm grateful for you. Some of you have been stuck at home since March, and you would love nothing better than to be here. We want you to know we're praying for you, and we love you, and we're, we're honored that you're still able to gather with us digitally. The church is bigger than a pandemic, amen? So as we invite the band up today and we think about, you know, we're going to be tarrying, it's an old word, in this gathering for the next few weeks. Today was gather in worship. Next week's gather in prayer. We're going to tell you when Pray 21 is. We're going to be doing it later this month. Last week will be gathering in community. Then we'll move into grow and then eventually end with go. But this year, what if we gave God every part of our life? So I think we've got a question here for, for us as we end. We've asked this question fairly often and really... This is a question we should ask every day. 
Does God have every part of your life? What about your pain? Your shame? Does God have your pain or do you have it? I'm going to tell you a secret. If you were to, not right now, but usually if you were to come into my office, my office looks clean most of the time. But if you were to open up my desk drawers, it would be different. When I was a kid, I was always good at the macro, but I didn't like the micro. So my mom would say, clean your room, and now don't do this, kids. All right? But it looked clean, but don't open the doors to the closet. had the appearance of being clean, but it wasn't. You guys know where I'm going with this. On the outside, man, we can look put together and things are great. But maybe there's some pain or some anger or some bitterness. And we have all, if you're a believer and you haven't dealt with that, you're not telling the truth. And it's just, and maybe you haven't thought about it, but the Holy, like, I remember being at camp one time, and I, I wasn't even thinking about it, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just brought something up to me. Like, now i got to deal with that. Maybe right in this moment you weren't even thinking about anything. Is there a part of your life that you have not given to God? Or, and this has happened to me in my life, you give it to God, and then life kind of takes it back, you know? gave it to God, something happens, like, huh, I must have taken that back. Maybe you just need to give it to God. And then there's some things in life, let's just be real, you have to keep giving it back to God. Sometimes they have a name on them. Let's stand together this morning.